Babes and trolls, kids and queers. This is Garbage Oprah, and you are listening to another mini-sode with Milleniagram. It is I, Hannah, Garbage Oprah. Um, I am so excited to do another mini-sode with you guys today because I feel like um, I keep throwing at you all of these incredible interviews with people that I'm learning so much from, and I feel like there's so much to digest that we aren't maybe necessarily doing, and a lot of dots to connect that have been like rolling around in my head, um, and it's still all very much in process. So I'm excited to talk about this with all of you. Um, Truly, like, I approach all of this from a place of humility because I am literally just in the in the throes of discovery, essentially, is what you could say. So, um, yeah, today I want to talk about how we can connect all of these dots that we've been hearing about. So, you know, talking about the integration and disintegration of the Enneagram, and then the hypoarousal and hyperarousal of the nervous system, um, the dots to connect with the polyvagal ladder, which we talked about in the last episode, um, which if you haven't listened to yet, really cool interview with Justin Sinceri. I super recommend it. Um, but yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about how I am connecting the dots for me personally, and I haven't yet quite figured out what it means to connect all those dots across the, um, across the the spectrum of the Enneagram, I guess you could say. Um, But I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the questions that I'm asking and that I'm interested in um, hearing your answers to, too. So hopefully this is a conversation that we can keep going. Um, So as I'm thinking about um, what we've learned from Dr. Jerome, when he talks about how none of us are only one number, we all have different degrees of efficiency in those different numbers, depending on how our survival stories have been written by circumstance and by personality. Um, And also, as I'm thinking about, okay, what does it mean to live in a nervous system that is traumatized, which many of ours are? um, And what role does that play in Um, the way that my number shows up, the way that I interact with others. And so here are some of the questions that I've been asking myself. When I look at hyperarousal, okay, so like essentially where we should be living on a day-to-day basis should be within our window of tolerance. So within that space, we're not activated. um, We're not going down the polyvagal ladder. We're in our safe and social state, as um, polyvagal theorists would say. So um, if we think about our window of tolerance, there are kind of two directions to slip out of that. Um, And one very common one for me is hyperarousal. So I get activated um, by all manner of stressors. I know for me, I'm realizing sadly that I spend most of my life outside of the window of tolerance. So I'm either in that fight or flight space, like do I stay or do I go kind of thing, or because of my particular strain of complex PTSD, um, fight or flight weren't options that were available to me in early developmental stages. So I tend to just like shoot right down that ladder into dissociation and freezing. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So hyperarousal for me shows up as um, largely anxiety 
um, frenetic, frantic um, mental space, um, kind of this this grasping energy comes up for me. Um, A desperation, I guess, is kind of the undercurrent there. So when we talk about hyperarousal, um, I actually think that I have, um, as a four, so I integrate to one and I disintegrate to two. And I think that I, in, I think that I inhabit um, those spaces differently and hyperarousal shows up different for me in both of those. So when I integrate to one and I'm hyperaroused, I tend to be in more of a what feels like a stable environment overall, Um, like the foundation of the life that I live on is somewhat secure, Um, but I'm constantly asking myself, am I a good person? Or more on the negative side of things, the question of, am I a terrible person? Um, And I overanalyze everything that I do. I feel, um, I feel frantic to be the best version of myself. I would say um, this past year as I've been going on this major healing journey, um, a lot of times I have I have been I have become aware of this need to sort of um, speed things up to speed up the healing process. I've called it um, the war path of healing <laughs> to my therapist. Um, it just seems like I can't get where I want to get fast enough. Um, and a lack of self-compassion starts to show up there because I am pushing so hard. Um, and what's interesting is that pushing um, can lead to my three efficiency, which is my wing, showing up and being like, okay, well, you know what we'll do? We'll fake it till we make it. Um which obviously is not an embodied or self-grounded way to interact with the world, right? Um, And so then in disintegration, when my life feels more chaotic, which um, for most of my 20s, I kind of was there in this just consistent state of chaos, um, which began to feel like my new normal, of course. I would spend a lot of time disintegrated to two. And so when I go to two is just like full, um, full codependency, like spiral, right? So I'm just literally trying to enmesh with the closest stranger on the street. I want bonding. I want intimacy. And because I am either fearing abandonment or isolation, um, I tend to, um, try and get things out of people by giving things to them. Um, and I, I know that we can all and have all been there. Um, there is a really particular resentment that rises up for me um, when I am trying to use love and affection to get love and affection. Um, but there's this question, and I, I truly believe it comes from a very precious little developmental part that is um, little girl Hannah, uh, that who is constantly asking me, am I loved? And my disintegrated space um, is trying to assure my emotional and physical survival 
by making me get proof around that question either way so either I want to know that I am not loved and to know that for certain or I want to know that I am loved and to know that for certain so um, that's kind of how hyper arousal shows up for me um, however like I said um, I tend to shoot straight down the polyvagal ladder from safe and social to fight and flight to dissociation and freeze which I think is where a lot of my depression symptoms show up um, so hypoarousal to me specifically, and this isn't to say for all fours, I'm really interested because I know it's not for all fours. I think that we can all almost by asking the right questions, sort of design, um, what are, how our efficiencies in different numbers show up, how our integration and disintegration shows up. Um, super excited to hear how you guys might experience those things but anyway so hyper hypo arousal for me um really kind of goes down um what Rizzo and Hudson and the wisdom of the Enneagram talk about the different levels of four so I kind of go down the levels of unhealth um and I start to feel like well um there isn't anything that I can do to get my needs met so I may as well either just a die and that that's where even suicidal tendencies or ideation starts to come up for me um or I should just literally um remove myself from other people's lives because I'm a burden I'm an inconvenience etc etc um and of course what's interesting about that particular kind of self-flagellation is that it is actually very self-centered um my survival is uh completely focused around um me and what is happening with me what uh what role i play in everybody else's lives and it just becomes very myopic um very narcissistic when i get down there so what I, what I find really interesting as I'm reading through um, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, which I, has been recommended to me for years, but honestly, I have picked it up a few times and genuinely got so triggered that I had to put it down again. <laughs> um, but a couple of quotes jumped out to me as I was learning about hyperarousal and hypoarousal. Um, he says, as long as people are either hyper aroused or shut down, they cannot learn from experience, which I think is so fascinating, right? Because especially for me as a four, um, I tend to over focus on the past versus being here in the moment in the present. So I think that um, I think it's really important to pay attention to to when our nervous systems start to go in either of those directions because um, we're not going to be able to learn um, from the present if we cannot be present, right? Um, and we can only really be present when we are not hyper-aroused or hypo-aroused. Um, so really what this leads me to is this idea that you're not going to analyze or rationalize your way into healing. You will not why yourself whole um and that is hard for me because even as 
you know, someone who lives within the feeling triad. I fucking cry every day. It is what it is. Um, but I do tend to over-intellectualize my feelings, and I just need to get to the root of them, and I need to get it, and I need everyone else around me to also get it. And sometimes we just need to let our feelings be. We need to observe them. We need to sit with them without judgment, um, which, God, I know is way fucking harder than I'm making it sound, but I truly, truly believe in us. <laughs> um, so... Um, a couple of questions that I think would be useful for you to ask as you're trying to map out, um, what part your different efficiencies, the, the numbers that you are most proficient in, um, how those show up and when, uh, which ones and how they take you to hypoarousal or hyperarousal. Um, I think the most important thing to ask yourself or you know what it's kind of the opposite of asking yourself it's learning to to wait and listen for an answer um when i asked both of those different efficiencies when i asked my one efficiency what question they were trying to get answered um, i heard the question am i a terrible person and when I asked my disintegration to two space um, what question they were trying to get answered, I got, am I loved? And those are really basic needs that every human needs met. Like, all of us need that shit. Um, and so once I realized that that was the question at the root of both of those spaces of hyperarousal, I realized, okay... As I'm reparenting myself, those are questions that I can learn to, over time, slowly, eventually answer for myself so that I don't have to always exist in that hyper-aroused space. And for me, um, you know, kind of coming to the sad realization that I live outside of my window of tolerance most of the time, um, my goal in this particular part of my journey is to... Um, is to just widen that window of tolerance as much as I can. Um, so I think when you start to see hyperarousal and hypoarousal show up for you, um, I think it's helpful to ask that part that comes up then, that internal part, um, what question are you trying to get answered right now? What need do you need met? Um, but I almost like the question, what question are you trying to get answered better? Because getting my needs met is another whole complicated line of inquiry that is really hard. Um, and so almost kind of meeting those hyper-aroused parts in that over-intellectualizing space. What question are you trying to get answered? Then you're able to get to the root need that you're feeling in your body. Um I hope that's helpful and I think that that's some I think this is something that we can learn to map out together and really explore um, and I'm excited to think more about and like take stock of my relationships and see how these um, see how these play out in my relationships as well but let's keep the conversation fucking going once you listen to this um, tweet me at Hannah Posh. It's P-A-A-S-C-H. And let's talk about um, how disintegration and integration show up for you um, in those hypo-aroused hypo or hyper-aroused states. 
Um, I'm so fascinated to hear. And what's cool about this is I think the more that we can really kind of integrate all of this new information that we're learning, I mean, my a, a, a corner was truly turned for me in my interview with Dr. Jerome Luba and reading his book, Whole Identity, which I highly recommend, and kind of realizing, okay, we can understand the Enneagram better from a scientific brain-based perspective, and there is... Oh my God, there's literally so much fun shit to dig into there. So tweet at me. Um, you can get at me on Instagram too, but I just, I'm more likely to check my mentions on Twitter. Let's be honest. I love y'all and I'm excited to just fucking like dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches together. What do you say? Over and out.